try to explain Levener to people, but it doesn't go too well. Uh, you, you, you say, oh, okay, it's as close as you get to Acts chapter 2. But that sounds kind of arrogant. That, like, what, what church does Acts chapter 2? Where they come together on a weekly basis and share their needs and issues and they share their resources. Well, that's pretty much what this group does and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, just hearing, hearing, hearing your, your concerns and your prayers and your joys and um, it's truly a cool thing. And uh, R- Rick, you, you set up the whole message today talking about childlike faith because that that's really where we're we're going today in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm, I'll, let me just start out by the, this first verse. It says in verse 1 of chapter 11, now faith is the reality, it's the assurance, it's the confirmation. It's the reality of what is hoped for. The proof, it's the proof, it's the conviction, it's the evidence of what is not seen. That's what faith is. It's you can't see it. You can't see what's in this room right here. You can see the effects of it. Absolutely, you can see the effects of it. And what, what happened with Josephine and Peter, you know, that childlike faith, that's the initial faith that we have. And, and here's what that looks like. Rick said, uh, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That's the point that we get to is that we realize that we are a sinner and that we are separated from God and that we need a Savior, somebody that's going to save us. So you basically raise your hand and say, help. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on a cross, his blood was poured out, and I'm forgiven. You learn all that. (laughs) But really, the initial faith is, help. I need help. I need to know God. That's the initial faith. But the faith that we're talking about here is something like totally different. Faith is, it's the reality of what is hoped for. It's, and it's, deter, it's determined in God's promises. Like I read this right here and I see what God has said and what he's spoken and I, I believe it. I believe it, that it's his promises. The, the whole definition of faith is right here, but it's probably more a description of what faith does and how it works. There's, there's, there's really a difference in believing in something and allowing what you believe to impact your behavior. Like, I can believe in God. I can believe in Jesus, and I have salvation. Right? I, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. But if I really believe in God and Jesus, and I figure this thing out, this faith thing out, which I can't see, I can't see God. I can't see Jesus in form. But if I believe that, if I believe that, it greatly impacts what I do on a daily basis. It, it impacts my choices. That's what faith does, the things that I can't see. 
it, like faith, true faith will do two things. One, it, it proves that the unseen things exist. That's what faith does. It proves, like, because of my faith, because of what I believe, I know God exists. I know he's there. I, 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 don't, I don't question that at all. I, I mean, I look, at, I look at outside and just the creation, and I know there has to be a God. I think all the time, I analyze all the time, and in this brain right here is one of the most complex things on the face of the earth, the brain. There has to be a God. Really? That just happens? (laughs) You're crazy. And the other thing that faith does, it, it, it brings this desire within believers to behave in a way that lines up with what they've come to believe. That's what faith does. It just, it's, again, we go, keep going back to this. You, you can say that you believe in God and everything, and if you don't play with the gift, you never get to experience the gift. Like, who, who opens a Christmas present and just sets it aside and say, that's mine? You don't. Like, I, I'm, I'm the guy that, does what it says. I sit down and have a cup of coffee and read through the instructions. I'm one of those, step by step. And that's kind of what I do with Scripture too. You know, obviously many believe in salvation. Many believe. You can go block after block after block this morning in all the churches, and there's many that believe in salvation. But there's few that believe that they've been made righteous. Like, if this is true, if God's word is true, all of it, not just part of it, I don't just like pick and choose, but I believe all 66 books is true. If that's true, then I've been made righteous. Past tense, made, I've been made righteous. I'm whole, and I'm looking at a room full of righteous people. I'm looking at a room full of the righteousness of God. Tell me God's not real. The righteousness of God sits and fills in this very room. And it all comes down to faith and belief, and that's why you keep hearing the same message over and over and over every week, is to increase the faith, not because it's coming from my mouth, but because it's coming from him, and you are able to fight that battle that happens right here. So I keep repeating and repeating and repeating, this is who you are, this is who you are, because I know as soon as you walk out the door, you're getting hammered with everything else. You're probably getting hammered right now. And it's critical, it's critical for me to encourage you to not should on you to read your Bible, to know, to know the Word of God. It's the, it's the intimacy. It's the intimacy with the Father that increases your faith. Faith comes from Him, not from me, not from you showing up at Pinheads on Sunday mornings, not from you listening to a YouTube video or a podcast. It's, it's literally comes from the Father. And the world fails, fails to realize that faith is only as good as its object. And the object of our faith is God. Therefore, my faith is good. Faith is to a Christian what uh, a foundation is to a house. 
it, it, it all starts with faith, and then the faith has to grow. I'm not responsible for growing my own faith. God is responsible for growing my faith. He, he teaches me about him. I read, I read, but he teaches me. Look, this morning you guys practiced faith and you didn't even think about it. That's, that's how much faith that you have. Because every one of you in this room is sitting in a chair. You put faith in a chair. It's as simple as that. I, you didn't even think about it. I'm going to sit in this chair and this chair is going to hold me, hold me up. That, that's what faith is. Is You didn't know that chair was going to hold you up. But you didn't even have to think about it because you know it so well. It's, it, it's not our faith in Jesus that sustains us every day in, in our life. It's only Jesus in whom we trust that sustains us. And then he says, for by this our ancestors were approved. And when he says this, he's talking about the, the faith in God. Our ancestors, our old covenant believers, believed that God would send the Messiah to forgive them from their sin. We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when the fall of man occurred with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which the Lord gave them a choice that you can not eat from this and you can eat from everything else. And I'm telling you not to eat from this. And it's your choice. You can but I'm telling you not to. And they chose to. Like they, and so sin occurred, and all of a sudden they looked at each other and go, oh, we're naked. <laughs> oh, we're naked. Let's hide from God. Like that's possible. You, you think you can hide from God, but... Uh... And so what happened is in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about, Basically, there's a Messiah that's coming that is going to not bruise the hill. Bruise the hill is what the evil one did to Jesus when he was on the cross, but he's going to give a, the Messiah will give a blow to the head of the enemy. That's the first sign that we have. If you give a blow to the head, you're going to kill the person. That there's a Messiah coming and he's going to kill the evil one. That's the first sign that we have that there's a Messiah. And so these old covenant believers believed that God would send this Messiah and this Messiah would forgive them of their sin. And it's because of their whole belief that they were approved, that they were commended, that they were credited for righteousness. They were credited. Abraham, Moses, David, they were all credited righteousness. They weren't made righteous. Because the Messiah hadn't come yet. If the Messiah is the one that makes us righteous, and he hadn't come yet, they had to wait. But they had credit. It's the difference between going into uh, Panera and buying a bagel and paying with a credit card, which you eventually have to pay the debt, or you buy the bagel with a gift card. My friends... You are after the cross, and you've been given the gift card. 
you have the gift card. It's already been paid for. And it's even better, Scott, because it's an unlimited gift card. (laughs) It never expires. It never ends. You've been given the gift. And this is what the difference is. These Old Testament, the he says the ancestors, they did this by faith. Like at some point, they had to be made righteous. Well, what was it that did it? It was the cross. It's the cross that made them righteous. He literally removed our wicked hearts and he replaced it with a new heart. So these ancestors knew this. And thank God we live after the cross. In verse 3 it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. The word was God and the word was with God. That means Jesus is the one who was the creator. He is the word. He is the word. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. <laughs> what, what better way to motivate the Old Testament believer's faith than to prove how God has already answered promises in the past? This is what the writer is doing. He's going back and saying, look, these Old Testament believers, they believe this, and years later, it's been proven. It's been proven. Why? And now you ask the question, you're sitting here in 2023, well, why wouldn't God continue to keep his promises? He has so far. He's done it in your life. Confirming God's faithfulness faithfulness encourages the Hebrew Christians just to keep walking on and trust him. Even now, even now. There's a greater adventure out there, I believe, when you trust in the things that you can't see. Verse 4, it says, by faith, here we go, we're going into some Bible characters, and it's not just all men. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Remember, Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's sons. And Cain killed Abel in the story. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. But faith, he, by faith he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts even though he is dead he still speaks through his faith. So what is about to happen right here as we come into this verse is the writer's getting ready. Whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't know who it is. The writer's getting ready to take us through this series of believers to show the Hebrew Christians that it was their faith in the Messiah to come that approved their righteousness. They believed in it so much that it greatly impacted not only the way they lived their lives, but even how they died. Like, if Abel, let's back up to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, and they were naked and they hid, what did God do? He clothed them with animal skins. That's what God did. So God initially made the very first animal sacrifice. 
he had to kill an animal to put animal skins on Adam and even cover them up for their nakedness. So when an animal was killed, blood was poured out. The very first sacrifice, God did it. And he set the pattern. He set the pattern for Adam and Eve. And obviously, they must have taught their kids, this is what happened to us. Because Abel made a blood sacrifice. He made a blood sacrifice to God, whereas Cain, he took stuff from the earth and made a sacrifice. The difference. Why would God say, I prefer Abel's sacrifice over Cain's? Because Abel did exactly what the Lord showed Adam and Eve. He was obedient. And because of his obedience, he was killed by his brother. So not only by faith was he being obedient, but even by death. Even by death, it was his faith. And then, (laughs) here's the crazy thing. If Abel was the second person after Adam and Eve, second generation, we're still talking about him here today. (laughs) That's crazy. And here's a good one. In verse 5 it says, by faith Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. It says he was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Let me take you back to Genesis chapter 5. This is just a little bit after Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. But Genesis chapter 5, I'm I'm glad I wasn't around at this time. It says, Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. Jared lived 800 years after he fathered Enoch. And he fathered other sons and daughters. So Jared's life lasted 962 years. <laughs> 962 years on a fallen world. Then he died. Now watch this. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. 365 years he walked on earth, and it says for 300 years he walked with God. I I don't know what that intimacy walk looked like for 300 years with Enoch. Uh, I know what my walk looks like. It's probably not anything like Enoch's says in verse 24, Enoch walked with God, then he was not there because God took him. Like, there's, there's not too many people in the Bible where uh, they don't die. Literally, just Enoch is gone one day. He, the father loved him dearly. That's all we know about Enoch. That's the whole story of Enoch right there. That's, the whole, that's all we know. We don't know what he did. What, he just walked with God for 300 years, and then all of a sudden he's gone. But today, in 2023, we're still talking about Enoch. It's that, that intimacy with the Creator. Mentioned only a few verses right here, 
but he's known for his relationship with God. The writer's saying that Enoch was so intimate with God that he he didn't even have to experience death. That, that that's that's what I want. Intimacy. Corey asked me last night, he's like, do you think there's going to be baseball in heaven as I'm watching the Rangers get beat? And I'm like, I, you know, I have no idea. I doubt there's sports there. I think there's going to be something greater than that. I think there's going to be something greater. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. Uh, but by then, hopefully the Rangers have won the World Series. Uh, uh, and you know, to me, that was uh, an important question my son asked me because it wasn't so much about baseball. He knows I like baseball, but the more the more the fact is that it was about my faith and what I believe in my intimacy with God. And if Enoch walked here on for three hundred years on Earth with God, and he's he's left. For us to talk about his faith, I think that's my only desire here on earth. Is that when I leave this earth, is that they talk about Rusty's faith. He yeah, he liked baseball, and he loved his family dearly, but it was about his faith. Leave, leave you know, it's like. Hi, on the video, you're recording this, and I have no idea how long this is going to be on the internet and the YouTube, but uh, if I can teach through the Bible, which is what we're doing, and that lasts for my, my, my son and my daughter to hear the rest of their life, that they can go and see what dad believed and thought and taught, and their kids can, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and whoever else. That's all I care about. I don't care about World Series. I don't. Doesn't mean a thing. It would be nice. It says <clears throat> in verse 6, Now without faith it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's, it is faith. It's not works that pleases God. It, it try, oh, please get this. It's, it's not what you do that pleases God. The works are a result of your faith. It's your faith. That's it. For believers, it's when we quit seeing God as a judge of sin, but a, a giver of life and rewards. Like, if you still think that God's like, watching down and busting your chops about your sin, you're, you're, you're missing out on what he came here for. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Not that you sit there and work on your sin management. I, I already dealt with that at the cross. You're, you're good. Just enjoy life. The will of God, the will of God is to walk with the Spirit. That's it. That's it. Just walking by his spirit, moment by moment, every breath with him. It, you know, it would be hard to walk intimately with God if like every second you think he's like kicking you in the butt every time you make a bad choice. 
that that's hard because then all you're trying to do is like be better well you can't get any better not if you're righteous not if you're holy not if you're forgiven you you, you can't get any better than that you have to live in that what if i sin what if i sin what if i make a bad choice what if i make a choice in the flesh and god just looks at me and says rusty i love you dearly He does. He does. He says that. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't say, you need to be better next time. Come on. He's like, Rusty, I love you. If you can just embrace that thought, (laughs) I'm not saying go out and sin and remind yourself that God loves you. I'm not saying that. But you can. I'm saying if you realize what he did for you and continues to do for you, it becomes less of a desire for you to make bad choices. And if you see yourself as never winning this game, why would you even try? If you see yourself as redeemed and forgiven, you will want to live fully in this. You want to walk outside those doors and just breathe it all in. That's... That's when real intimacy with the Father happens. You just wallow in His goodness. It's because of our faith in the object of Jesus Christ that we can walk with Him consistently. Now watch this, uh, verse 7. By faith, Noah... You know who Noah is, right? If, if you don't, see me after class. Um, By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. (laughs) This is is crazy. It's like uh, Noah's told to build an ark based upon things that have never been seen before. In other words, it had never rained before, before Noah. It never rained. So, oh, Noah, why are you building this ark? Well, God's going to, like, flood the earth. How's he going to flood the earth? Well, actually, if you go back to Genesis, it talks about uh, a water above and a water inside the earth. So it literally comes from both directions. And that's what's going to happen. And they're looking at Noah like, you're an idiot. But he's doing everything motivated by godly fear, which is respect. What was not yet seen built an ark to deliver his family. Watch this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. It says, these are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. What did Noah do? Noah walked with God. For some reason, this Hebrews writer is like saying, it's all about the walk with God. It's all about the intimacy with God. Just believe in what you can't see. Can you imagine Noah and just the years that he spent being ridiculed by his, really his family and his friends? But he wasn't concerned about what anybody else thought. So this is my relationship with God. I walk with God. He told me to build an ark. I'm building an ark. And now... You are a descendant of Noah. And we're still talking about Noah. 
Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going, and by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, he was the father of the Jewish nation. Let me take you back, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, this is what God said to Abraham. He said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went and as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Herod, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. What did Abraham do? He left just as the Lord told him to do. He's, he's willing, okay, I'm going to go to this place in faith for what I cannot see. Where, where am I going, God? Where am I going? Just go. Just go. Okay. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations with Really, God is the, the builder of this place. And it hap- hasn't happened yet, but it will. He literally lived as a foreigner, just as the Hebrew Christians, those who received this letter. And honestly, just as we do, I'm a foreigner in this land. And I'm an American citizen, but this is not my world. And then the last couple of verses, it says, By faith, even Sarah... Sarah made it into the list of faith people. Faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Sarah, she, she made the faith list? She's the one that like said, Abraham, God's not keeping his promises. You need to go sleep with Hagar. Oh, but what is she known for? Bearing Isaac in her old age? She made the list. Sarah made the list. She had a hard time waiting on God's timing. But the core, the core of who Sarah was, that she believed God, she was faithful. In the last verse, Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring, as numerous as the stars of the sky, and as as numerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Abraham, in his old age, bore a son named Isaac. Isaac, he bore Jacob and Esau. Jacob, he had twelve sons that became the twelve tribes. And through the 12 tribes came the entire Jewish nation. 
God kept his promise to a man who was faithful. And what did Abraham do? He went. He walked with God. He trusted God. I just want to be known as faithful. I just want to walk with things that are unseen. I have no idea what tomorrow brings. I don't. I don't. I just want to be intimate with the Creator. So, Father, um, it's faith, and I would love more faith. And I would love for you to give me more faith. I want to continue to learn your word. I want to continue to walk this walk with you. I don't understand it, nor do I need to. I'm just going to trust you in that. And so I pray the same thing for my, my friends here today, my brothers, my sisters, that we can become so intimate with you that it greatly impacts what I do and what they do. So, Father, I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.